BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Andy Biggs, Matt Gates, Bob Good, Elijah Crane, Tim Burchette, Ken Buck, Nancy Mace, Matthew Rosendale. They're the eight. They're the eight that caused the ouster of Kevin McCarthy. And I've tried to disabuse callers of the idea that, well, certainly they'll be reprimanded for this when they get home. I've said, no, I can't speak with specificity to any of their districts uh, beyond Gates. Um, but I imagine they'll be rewarded. You know, Such is the nature of gerrymandered districts and self-sorting, two factors that are very, very important when understanding the political dynamic of what we're now in the midst of. And the person who knows more about this than anybody is David Wasserman, the senior editor and elections analyst for the Cook Political Report with Amy Walter. And he joins me now. Hey, David, thank you so much. This is so fortuitous because I had already invited you to come on the program. And then comes the issue, you know, with the speaker being out. And I thought, oh, my God, it just it's so fortuitous. So let's begin there. What will happen right. to a, these a minor issue? Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. What will happen to these eight at home, so to speak? Probably not much. Uh, look, there's probably not a strong, overwhelming majority in, in favor or, or opposing what happened uh, on Tuesday among the Republican primary electorate. And look, some of these names are, are no surprises. Keep in mind the, the drivers of, of this uh, mutiny are really the fringe of the Freedom Caucus, not even uh, anywhere near a majority of Freedom Caucus members, and five of them had been opposed to McCarthy back in January. The real surprises are the three Republicans who were with McCarthy throughout those 15 votes in January, Tim Burchett, Ken Buck, uh, and especially Nancy Mace, who came to Congress in, in 2020 after McCarthy's super PAC spent $4.3 million propping her up when she was an underdog and she just barely beat a Democratic incumbent. So some of this is highly personal. Uh, and the moral of the story is it was always fanciful, uh, the notion that you could govern with a one-vote threshold for a motion to vacate hanging over your head, because at any given time, there are going to be 10 members of your rank and file who are upset with your leadership, no matter who you are. How hard will it be for somebody to get the requisite number of votes to succeed Kevin McCarthy? 
it's going to be extremely difficult. Now, I, you know, I see Steve Scalise as the favorite because he is next in line, and that incumbency is is powerful, even though uh, the relationship between McCarthy and Scalise has been frosty, and McCarthy privately uh, has, has apparently blessed his staff to make calls on behalf of Jim Jordan, who I don't think will go over well with some of the 18 Republicans who represent districts Joe Biden carried in 2020. The bottom line is whoever cobbles together 218 votes, and I don't think it's going to be this week or, or really anytime soon, uh, is going to have to, to appease some of the demands of the holdouts that are unpalatable with the moderate end of, of the Republican conference in the House. And that makes for an even more ungovernable uh, uh, coalition going forward. So I don't discount that we could have a kind of British prime minister situation where we have multiple uh, multiple upheavals between now and the end of this Congress. So a caller from Pittsburgh in the last hour of the program said something that I've been thinking. Wouldn't it be great if there were a Problem Solvers Caucus member? I'm going to throw Brian Fitzpatrick into the mix, whether he likes it or not, who throws his hat in the ring uh, and looks to Democrats to put him over the top. I mean, am I smoking something when I'm thinking that that's a possibility? You know, in a bygone era, that might have been possible. But Democrats have fallen in line behind Hakeem Jeffries to a degree that, that you know, really prevents them from even thinking about forming any kind of coalition. And, you know, not even Josh Gottheimer or Jared Golden, some of the most moderate Democrats in the caucus, entertained the idea of of bailing McCarthy out. Uh, and, and I don't think that uh, if Brian Fitzpatrick or, let's say, Don Bacon from Omaha, Nebraska, were to secure support from a, a breakaway group of moderate Democrats, that that would go over well with the Freedom Caucus uh, or the, the farther right end of the Republican conference, which makes up 40 or 50 members. So getting 218 out of that is also a, you know, extremely difficult path. I do see uh, a, a Republican uh, most likely Scalise getting uh, 218. But the question is, what will happen with this motion to vacate? Uh, and there are some Republicans who are withholding support for anyone until this is reformed. So you're telling me that the prospect of a no labels person being the solution, they would need they would need all the Democrats. In other words, there, there would be abandonment from the right side of the Republican Party. You're not going to have 40 or 50 Freedom Caucus types, so you can't just do it with a dozen Democrats. You're going to need a lot of them. Well, I don't think the middle is wide enough today. I don't think the incentive structure is there to truly get a, a consensus or, or um, moderate compromise speaker in place lining up the parties 109 and 109. Um, in part because Democrats are, are in this lockstep discipline behind Jeffries. And anyone who even contemplates uh, uh, a, a compromised speaker or voting for a moderate Republican is seen as breaking that unity that Nancy Pelosi has said is Democrats' superpower.
I, I just think that it would be so magnanimous and in the country's best interest. And I think that they would they would be rewarded if they looked like they were the ones reaching across the aisle. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. You know, I've paid close attention to why exactly zero, a Blutarski of 0.0 Democrats came to McCarthy's aid. And yesterday's story was, well, the Margaret Carlson interview was offensive because Kevin McCarthy, the morning after, was blaming Democrats for the near shutdown. And then I read a different analysis today, which said, no, it's it's actually residual ill will because of January 6, that McCarthy was the one guy who could have prevented the rehabilitation of Donald Trump. And he didn't. What's what's David Wasserman's informed opinion as to why no Democrats came to McCarthy's rescue? Because there was no electoral upside and very possibly electoral downside for for doing so if you're a Democrat, uh, even if you believe that the alternative on the Republican side is worse. Keep in mind that Kevin McCarthy uh, privately told people, including me, on the day of the 2020 election, that if Donald Trump refused to concede, at some point he would have to come out with a joint statement with Mitch McConnell calling on him uh, to exit gracefully. Uh, McCarthy ended up leaving McConnell twisting in the wind. And Democrats uh, will never get over his visit to Mar-a-Lago after January 6th. Uh, and we're all too too content uh, to leave Republicans to fight this out amongst themselves. It but, is David, but David, well, yeah. 
while that's true, he was also a guy who worked with the administration and with Democrats generally uh, to uh, keep the government open and to avoid default. So are you going to get that from Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise? Of course not. But what Democrats do get is a an ability in 2024 to shine the spotlight on Republican dysfunction and infighting, which helpfully takes the spotlight away from the Biden administration and, and a weak approval rating at the moment. Right. But it's a, it's a it's great a cross for a president I, running for reelection. OK, well, I mean, that's a nice way of saying it. I, I think it's it's like to the detriment of the country. Like, like we could get the country through this, but we would want, we want to first earn some political stripes uh, before we bring about a resolution. So we're just going to let the fire burn. They're, they're like they're firemen standing there with a water supply and buckets, but they're not going to use them. Well, the question is, how do we resolve this cliff on November 17th? We may not have a functional house for uh, for several weeks, which really leaves the house even if there's a Republican speaker in a very weak position relative to the Senate and the White House, is there yet another Republican leader or speaker who has to fall on their sword uh, to pass a bill that keeps this open? Or do Republicans prolong uh, this dysfunction and we see a shutdown that plays into Democrats' messaging? Keep in mind that the last several Democratic presidents, uh, Bill Clinton, uh, and Barack Obama benefited after losing their House majority from a Republican conference that overreached and turned out to be a great oil to run against. So you're saying you're uh, highlighting the 17th because that's when the continuing resolution runs out. That's right. So can any can any business I know that there's there's the hope of a vote next Wednesday. But help me game this out. What's about to transpire, at least from a, a timeline standpoint, as best we know? Well, there will be a, a Republican candidate forum uh, for speaker. Uh, Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise, obviously, are the leading candidates of the moment, although there is some scuttlebutt that if neither of them can build uh, true conference-wide supporter, there's no clear leader here, uh, and this devolves, uh, then the Speaker pro tem for the moment, Patrick McHenry, could re-enter the picture. Uh, but uh, for now, uh, no one on the Republican side I talked to thinks that this will be resolved in the next week, and that even if you have an internal conference vote and Scalise or Jordan prevail, uh, that you will end up with 218 Republican votes for either of them. Uh, by the time there's uh, a a vote on the floor of the House. And so while this plays out, no business can be conducted on the House, right? No bills can be passed? That's right. Well, you know, there's there's a lot of wrangling among um, congressional experts and parliamentarians on what exactly can be conducted during this interim period. Keep in mind that the Speaker pro tempore, uh, Patrick McHenry is only in his position because of a post-9-11 law, and this has never been tested before. Now, the general consensus is that committee work can continue, but that the business of the House and passing legislation requires a speaker of the whole House. David Wasserman, what's the good news? <laughs> well, uh, the, the good news is that 
Americans are going to have uh, a lot of of sway over control of Congress in 2024. It's genuinely a toss-up. Uh, when we when we break down the races we consider too close to call in our ratings, and there are 24 of them, uh, you know, if you break them down the middle, that leads to a 218, 217 House either way. So Americans really are uh, empowered in this competitive setting to determine which party should control Congress for the next few years. Jesus, how depressing, though, said differently. David Wasserman just confirmed that out of 435 House districts, two dozen are in play and everything else is going to be determined yeah, by who wins the primary. A very small slice of Americans are, are getting a say here. And you know, this moment really speaks to the trend of primary elections supplanting November as the most important game in town and really the way that we dictate the business of Congress. I am a, a total David Wasserman evangelist. I, I am out there at every opportunity talking on air, radio, television, my private public speaking about self-sorting and the way that we've headed in separate directions. You were the guy who gave me a needed wake-up call a couple of years ago to, to get me off the gerrymandering crack pipe and start talking about how we, we are making selections to live and associate and vote with the like-minded and the county data uh, is the staggering data, right? We don't redraw those boundary lines, and yet there's been an exponential growth of blowout districts defined as districts won by 20 or more percentage points. That's right, and we've seen the number of, of seats that are within five points of the national outcome in presidential elections plummet from 164 in 1999 to just 82 today. Really only a small subset of those are truly up for grabs. And, you know, in 1992, 58% of Americans lived, uh, or I'm sorry, 38% of Americans lived in counties that voted for one party's presidential nominee by more than 20 points. In 2020, 58% of Americans did. So it's really been a, a, a monumental uh, sea change in the way that, uh, we, that uh, our incentive structures for electing uh, members of Congress are set up. And it has broken uh, the ability of the few in the middle to forge large coalitions to, to break log jams. So we are where, where we are uh, until voters decisively opt for one party or the other and, and give one side a little bit more governing breathability. I, I promise I'll let David Wasserman go after this, but on, on this issue that we're now discussing, Doug Sosnick was here, I think, two weeks ago, three weeks at most, and we talked about the the climate and and when and how it could get better. And when I asked him, when does it get better, he said to me, when boomers die, meaning when the mantle is passed really from boomers and Gen Xers to millennials and Gen Zers. Uh, reaction to that? Yeah, look, I, uh, we have a generation of voters coming up that has grown up living in more lopsided political environments than than ever before, and with fewer exposure to differing opinions than ever before. I think that's the scary part. If you want to be an optimist about this, uh, you know, this Congress has actually gotten a surprising amount done considering the polarization in the electorate. And I, I think in general, young voters are 
sick and tired of politicians who are truly dug in either way. Uh, they, they don't identify as partisans to the extent their parents and grandparents did. Uh, that also means that fewer young voters are participating in the party primaries that elect most of these members of Congress. And that's something to build awareness about. Hey, David, you know, I love it when you're here. I hope you'll come back more often. That was excellent analysis. And I, I thank you for it. Thanks so much, Michael. Anytime. David Wasserman, ladies and gentlemen, he's the senior editor and elections analyst for the Cook Political Report with Amy Walter, and just second to none on on crunching the numbers and understanding congressional districts. By the way, tangent coming, tangent coming. Here it is. So he and I, well, a couple of things for your follow-up fodder, and we'll open the telephone lines again. You know the number, 855-486-1776. So the first thing that I wanted to say is that uh, maybe I'm naive, but I sure wish that the solution were akin to the Pittsburgh caller's solution, which is a problem solver steps forward and Democrats now it's a Republican problem solver and Democrats now say, yeah, we'll cast our lot with that individual because we we can work with her or we can work with him. Wouldn't that be great? David Wasserman says that's not going to happen. And and I'll paraphrase, but why is it not going to happen? Because Democrats see too much political advantage as the Republican fire that the Republicans set continues to burn. And even though they're standing there with a fire hose, they're not putting it out. God, I wish they would. And I would like to think that the country would would be appreciative of that type of an overture. So that's number one. That would be the perfect way that all of this could resolve. Now comes the tangent. So then I I just shared with, with David a part of the conversation that I had here recently with Doug Sosnick, you know, that he's like the, the Clinton era guru who writes these memos uh, that everybody in, in the political intelligentsia hangs on every word because he's a smart guy and he seems to be able to look around corners. And when I was talking to Sosnick here and we released it as a podcast, it's worthy. You'll want to go listen to it if you missed it. I said to him, when do things get better? And he said, when the boomers die. And the point was that, the, the next generation or the next two generations are going to be more conciliatory with one another. They're going to be less partisan. Uh, the younger Republicans, if they maintain their outlook as it exists today, are not going to be like their fathers and grandfathers, their mothers and grandmothers. They're a different breed of GOP. And they'll be more willing to, walk, to reach, walk across the aisle to, to get things done. That they don't agree with their elders on things like uh, climate. So I'm with a friend, with a couple of friends actually, and I try and share with them the essence of this subject without going too far into detail. Uh, I tell them about Sosnick. I tell them about the comment of, you know, things are going to get better when the boomers die. Now, this small group of my friends are boomers. And one of them says, you know, you got to be shitting me. Like, things are going to get better when the Zers and the Millennials are older? Those who today can't shake your hand are afflicted with mental health issues that our generation doesn't have? Who will elect the likes of AOC and Bernie and confiscatory policies and couldn't give a damn about protecting the border? You think that's who's going to save us?
What should my response have been? This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. In Boca, this is Jeff. Jeff, what did you most want to say? Good morning, Michael. How are you? Um, All good. Love the show. I really wanted to call in yesterday. I want to jump a little bit more about your strong opinion that the Democrats should have saved McCarthy. I've been listening to you for years, and this is the first time I felt like I don't know this man on the radio. Who is this (laughs) man talking on the radio, Michael Smirkanish, that doesn't agree with me? Because I felt very very simpatico. I want to present you with a hypothetical, and I want to hear your response, and then I'll I'll, be quiet. I think that, granted, the elections in a year, and I don't think any of these issues right now are going to be the issues deciding the election in a year because we know our attention span is short. And whatever is the juicy subject in maybe September or October of 2024 may be the issue tomorrow. But that said, I think what's happening in the House right now with McCarthy, all of this either way benefits the reelection of Trump. And I'm very independent. And here's my theory. I'd like to hear you why. Hear why. If McCarthy got reelected. I mean, didn't get if the Democrats. You got to hey, you listen to me. You got to get right to it. I love you. Appreciate your compliments, but just get to it. I'm getting to it. Ready? I think that McCarthy, by losing Gates, it creates chaos. We know what's going to happen. I think if McCarthy stayed, he's he's deciding with the Democrats. We know that siding with the Democrats and the Republican is evil. So I think either way, the only person who can be viewed as solving any of this would be the reelection of President Trump as scary as that sounds, because he says, I'm the only one that can bring stability to the Republican Party in the House that controls the House so that we can govern. Holy, ca- holy crap, though. That. Jeff, Jeff, he is Captain Chaos. Like the last guy 
the last guy, and thank you for calling, the last guy on the planet that I would look to as a stabilizing factor, you know, I guess the stable genius uh, would be him. I guess Jeff's point in Boca is to say, yeah, but they listened to him. I don't know. I took note of the fact that he didn't do anything. He he let Gates and McCarthy, and maybe he didn't want to pick between them. I don't know. But he, he just put out a very tepid statement about the need for no infighting among Republicans. I don't think he wants any part of it. And I don't look to Donald Trump as being able to solve it. Matthew, you're in Vegas. What did you most want to say? Uh, I think that the, the focus for all of us should be doing everything we can to elect no labels. I think if no labels wins the presidency, it trickles down into the House and maybe even the Senate, and we start to get some sort of normalcy. I think your next poll question uh, on a day when you get the most votes is, who would you elect right now as president, Trump, Biden, or no labels? You know, I get a lot of blowback here, Matthew. I see the world the way you do. I I want at least for no labels to have a seat at the table. And let's let's keep our powder dry. My God, the uncertainty of this cycle is unlike anything any of us have ever seen in our lives. Why in the world would we forestall any option? So I I want them to keep doing what they're doing. Does that mean I'm for their candidate who, who, you know, they nominate next spring? I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know. Is Trump an option? Is Biden an option? Who's standing on that stage? I, I you know, what, what's going on with RFK Jr.? There are too many intangibles. Danny, Campbell, California, what did you want to say? Good morning, sir. Just want to say, love your insight. You're brilliant. And on the topic, I just think it's time to start getting the voters to look at the problem children in the House, the Senate. Get rid of them. Look at how these guys are, men and women, look at them, how they're voting. You don't like how they're voting, get rid of them. If I know, they're but, causing problems. I know, but Danny, here's the, here, all right, I get you. I, I, easier said than done. I mean, David Wasserman, nobody knows the dynamics of congressional districts in the country like the guest who was just on this program. David Wasserman is the king of that data. What did he say? 24 races that they can't prognosticate out of 435. So as as appalling as someone's conduct looks to the country at large, they are going back to a district that will reelect them because of, of primary systems that are weighted in one direction. And by the general election, it's too late. Hi, Will, you also are in Las Vegas. Greetings. What did you want to say? So, Michael, the only way to solve any of these issues is through the primary process. It doesn't matter what your solution is if you're not in power and you're not governing. That's the bottom line. We can come up with all the solutions that we want. doesn't matter if we're not electing people uh, in the primary system. Right now, Nevada, for example, the the state GOP is causing massive confusion on the presidential uh, caucus because the state is holding a primary But now they're saying, oh, wait, if you participate in that primary, you know, we're not going to honor those votes. We're actually only going to honor on the caucus votes. So at the end of the day, all these organizations out there that, you know, have these one uh, mission labels on it, they they need to really motivate all those efforts to move towards the primary process and participation in that. If you don't do that, nothing else really matters. 
Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm in one of uh, I forget what the latest number is of of closed primary states. I don't get a say unless I join a party. I don't get a say until the general. But, you know, all the all the work gets done in the primaries. I mean, you you look at what we we just had in Pennsylvania with the election of of Fetterman, uh, who defeated ultimately Dr. Oz. They they were, I think, the weakest in the field in terms of just capability. Uh, Dave McCormick was a superior candidate on the Republican side of the aisle. And uh, Connor Lamb was, a, in my view, a far superior candidate to Fetterman. Both of them would have been dynamic general election candidates. That's that's the race we were owed. But instead, we have closed primaries, and so Fetterman got nominated, and so did Oz. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east, or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish, for Independent Minds. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.